Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Welcome to the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross here alongside Wes Reynolds for the next couple hours. And Wes, we'd be remiss if we didn't start today's show by discussing what we saw last night. Not here in Las Vegas, but the boys from Las Vegas that went to SoFi Stadium in L.A. and uh, did not have a good night for guys in sur- uh, silver and black, rather. But first, there was a lightning delay. Mm-hmm. But how does that happen at a dome stadium? It could only be a weird night when it's Raiders and Chargers. And, yeah, uh, you, you the John Gruden look on his face is like, we play in a dome. I'm just imagining, like, Frank Caliendo putting out a video with John Gruden saying, are we play in a dome? Right, like, you know, I, and getting that perturbed look on his face that Chucky usually gets, which he pretty much had throughout the entire game last night, the proceedings, 28-14 to 14 final score. And, look, what was really, and I knew this was going to happen, but you never know it's going to happen until you hear it. Right. It's a home game for the Raiders. Yeah. It's like this is the Chargers, you know, not debut in that stadium, but debut in terms of a division game. And all of a sudden, you start to hear the boos rain down. I'm like, they don't have Charger fever right now in the city of Los Angeles. That's still a very much a Raider town, but it was a Charger town last night on yeah, the field. 28-14, of course, the under ticket cashes as well. Was there anything specifically that surprised you? I was a little bit surprised with how the Raiders, at least in the first half, kind of felt like the inept Raiders mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. old. We, we saw one first down in the entire first half. We saw pre-snap penalties. Alex Leatherwood gives up a, a five-yard penalty, and then the next play is a sack. At when it's seven nothing, look, they, they they finally had field position, and also it just looked like when they did get that first first down, Darren Waller, then he gets a taunting penalty. Yeah. It, it felt like the undisciplined Raiders that I thought we had kind of gotten past that, and it reared its ugly head. They didn't get off the bus until the third quarter. No, they did not. And I guess what kind of surprised me is that this Raider pass rush, which has been very good, yeah, to start the season, they only got two sacks on Justin Herbert last night. And you could see with on the other side with the offensive line, it was kind of a matter of time because I had mentioned how really surprised I am to see how well this Raiders offensive line had played, considering they're without incognito and they're right. without Denzel Good, you know, two starters that they thought they were going to have coming into the season. And they've been protecting Derek Carr. Didn't do so much last night. And I think also, I think it was Joey Bosa in the postgame uh, comments said, look, we knew once we got some pressure on him early, he was going to start to feel it. And there are a couple times where Whoa. it's like he just like turtled up, Derek Carr. He did, and that was a bit surprising as well for a guy that might have been on the outside looking in as an MVP uh, long shot here. Maybe he took a hit uh, with that last night. But again, they lose by 14, uh, their first loss of the year. And now they have the Bears coming in town this week, the Raiders do. And again, we're going to get to Jason Leisure, the Chicago Sun-Times, later on today on the Lombardi line and Jason does a great job covering all things Bears. Clearly, there's a lot of things going on with that team there, and Will Hill's going to join us later on this hour as well. But 
when you look at this game now coming up, if the Raiders want to be taken seriously, at least in the AFC West, mm-hmm. boy, there's that dead number of five. Right. And you're coming off a really lackluster performance last night. Do you trust that number that they can get there? Well, and this was seven also on the look ahead when this got put out middle of last week. And then Sunday it gets released because the Bears get a win. Justin Fields looks solid right. enough in a, in a performance. Clearly it wasn't as it wasn't the Cleveland game. No. So he was much better. And then it got put out at four. And then there's a little bit of an adjustment because the adjustment wouldn't be going up based on the Raiders' performance last night. But I think it went up because it came out. Matt Nagy said, look, Andy Dalton, if he's healthy, he's going to be the starter again. So immediately you can tell that the market does not value Andy Dalton at all. <laughs> and they do value Justin Fields because this got from seven to four. Because I always do this on Sunday night on Twitter. I always look at the look ahead lines, mm-hmm. Dave. And then I look through the following week when they're re-released on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening and see what the adjustments were. And that was one of the bigger adjustments. It's like, okay, the Raiders were seven and now they're four. Maybe this is by low on the Raiders. And now it's kind of in that middle spot that I'm not sure what to do with this one yet. And again, I can't wait to, uh, to catch up with Jason there because coming from Chicago, obviously they've been waiting ever since draft day to have Justin Fields be the starting quarterback. He did start and get the win against Detroit. But again, not overly impressive. It looked better, as you mentioned, than he did against Cleveland. But I do wonder, to back them financially, mm-hmm. would you rather have Andy Dalton then or Justin Fields right now if you were a Bears backer getting that five points? You know, and I usually tend to side with the vet, but it's like, look, you look pretty solid on Sunday with Justin Fields. So it's like, why would you necessarily go back to Andy Dalton? I think uh, you've kind of seen what you've seen here. The offensive line is going to have issues, I think, regardless of yeah. who, who is back there. But at least Fields gives you a chance to keep plays alive with his legs and his scrambling and running ability. So I don't know why you would really go back. I kind of think like the die has been cast here, but... They're making things complicated in Chicago. It's very interesting because last night clearly felt like a home game for the Raiders, even in L.A. I can tell you this. There will be a ton of Chicago Bears fans making that trip from the Midwest to get out here. You'd expect it to be, look, Monday night against the Ravens week one. Mm -hmm. And that really did help the Raiders in that comeback win. I wonder if it's going to feel as as big a home field advantage as it did against the Ravens. I'm not so sure of that here. And again, five and a half here at BetMGM. And also, that was the first night and, and really the first game with yes. fans in terms of regular season there at Allegiant Stadium. So it was going to be more of a pronounced home field advantage, but probably will not be. That's a good point by you. Probably will not be come next Sunday. 44 and a half there is the uh, the total. What do we make there? Because the Chargers, by the way, have become a really good underbet right now in the NFL. And the Raiders, uh, obviously the offense struggling last night. Is there a hangover effect at all against that Bears defense, which can be pretty good at times? Remember, the Lions had four trips inside the red zone and did not score. Yeah. That's a franchise record even for the lowly Lions. It very well could be. Uh, this was open, the total at 45, now down to 44 and a half, because I think we saw that Raider offense struggle. Yeah. And they struggled to protect and block up front. And look, the Bears can rush the passer, too. Mm-hmm. You know, the Chargers were able to get to Derek Carr four times and, and a lot more hurries than they ended up having sacks. But. You worry about this offensive line now, and I was saying, okay, they're keeping it together, they're keeping it together, and it kind of came apart a little bit last night, so does that have a little bit of a a continuation effect uh, as well for that game? And then also a couple other injuries of note for that game. Akeem Hicks, we'll see if he comes Mm -hmm. back for the Bears. Uh, Also, Tishon Gibson, David Montgomery, we know is going to be out four to five weeks, so... 
he is going to be out. And then the Raiders, where the Raiders really got banged up last night is secondary. Mm -hmm. They had uh, Arnett go out. They had Trayvon Mullen go out. Nate Hobbs, who is the nickelback, is battling uh, some injuries as well. So that Raiders secondary, which is not the best unit to begin with, all of a sudden very banged up. I just wonder, Quill Mack, too. Again, I know the first time they matched up since the trade, it didn't go uh, the way that the Bears wanted when they went overseas and the Raiders got that win there. I wonder if Quill Mack, remember the report was uh, before the season started this year, possibly being traded back to the Raiders. That didn't happen. There are so many layers and levels to that game. How about the Chargers side here? Now they've got the Browns coming in to SoFi, and both teams now 3-1 and one, off to great starts so far in the season. And when you look at the wins now that they've been able to have here the last two weeks in division, obviously the Raiders last night and the Chiefs the week before in a, in a big you know, non-division matchup here, this is kind of for like, all right, who might be the best team in the AFC? You can make the case for either one of these two teams. Yeah, I think you certainly can. And then uh, just looking, the look ahead line was picked now one and a half. So a little bit of an adjustment for the Chargers off a of national TV Monday night win. Browns got the win. At, and look, the Browns did not look very impressive no. in their win, but I thought it was a really great win. I was actually more impressed than the final score indicated because they got it done with their defense. You know, Baker didn't play great. Nick Chubb ran okay, but it's not like they were an offensive juggernaut Cleveland on uh, Sunday. And now you're seeing them get one and a half. So there's a little bit of respect for the Chargers here. What I'd probably be looking to do at first glance is Browns would definitely be a teaser leg for me. Okay, probably a smart play there. And, and to your point, uh, Kirk Cousins was playing great football in this Minnesota offense. Mm -hmm. And Cleveland completely shut them down last week as they go to 3-1. and Even though the reports are, it's interesting, the national media buzz. Baker Mayfield still holding back the Browns. Well, they don't say that about Justin Herbert and the Chargers, that's for sure, right? So is there a decided quarterback advantage here if you want to lay the one and a half with the Chargers, if, if that's the way you feel better I, about making that play? I don't really think so. I think uh, looks can be deceiving, and I know Cleveland, it was 14-7 was the final score on Sunday at Minnesota. Not but, your normal way to get to 14. Yeah, yeah. And, and you also have Cleveland, because Cleveland, it's like, they could only win with their offense because Baker's got so many weapons. They've got Nick Chubb. They've got Kareem Hunt in the backfield. They've got OBJ and Landry, and they've got a lot of guys that Baker can get the ball around to all over the field. But this time it was the defense winning the game. And that's kind of the next step for the Browns. When your quarterback doesn't play great, right. can you still win games. And Minnesota is a solid enough team. I know you see one and three. I think they're a little bit better than their record indicates. And you know, to be able to win a game defensively when you're not at your best, that's what you have to do in the NFL. You're not going to have your best 17 weeks out of the season. You know, it's interesting. If you look at the most balanced offenses so far in the early part of this season here in the NFL, I think you can make the case that the Cowboys in the NFC with the rushing attack there might be the most balanced. The Browns possibly in the AFC, but the Chargers are right there. Mm -hmm. You saw Austin Eckler last night, right? Herbert doesn't have to do everything that's how dynamic this offense has become, that well, they can play kind of ball control and still take big plays when they want to try to get something And we know the that the Chargers have invested on the offensive yes. line. That was big, not only in free agency, but Slater, the first-round pick out of Northwestern. And I think that's paying off because it's like, okay, we, we got our quarterback now. We found him very early in the season uh, in 2020. Now we got to be able to protect him, and they're doing a very good job of doing that. Yeah, right now I think that's a great point. You can look at those offensive lines, certainly in Dallas and in L.A. with the Chargers, and they might be the best in each conference. So we'll see if those things continue. Again, the Chargers right now a small uh, point-and-a-half favorite 
over the Browns. Uh, Wes, when we come back here, and again, we're going to have Will Hill later on this hour, Jason Leisure in hour number two. Let's talk some college football. Let's really dig deep because we have some Big Ten action might be uh, catching your betting eye when you come back with us. It is the Lombardi Line right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. here it's time to download betmgm sports it's nevada's premier sports betting app betmgm has all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting boosted odds specials and much much more download the betmgm app today and stop by any mgm casino on the strip with your state-issued id to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in nevada whatever your sport whatever your betting style you're gonna love betmgm's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week visit betmgm for terms and conditions must be 21 or older and physically located in nevada please gamble responsibly if you have a problem call 1-800 522-4700. Back here on the Lombardi Line, Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. And Wes, let's talk some college football right now. And let's talk Big Ten specifically. Mm-hmm. And you and I, we do betting across America, six-hour shameless plug every Saturday. We've been talking a lot about Michigan on that show because they've been a covering machine so far for the fighting Harbaugh's. Now, all of a sudden, a lot of respect here at plus 450 to win the Big Ten as they stand right now at 5-0, 2-0 in the conference. Is the value gone if you want to back the maize and blue? I think it still might be. Obviously, you got that team in Columbus that's pretty much owned them for the last <laughs> decade and a half. And you also got a potential at the end of the month, a potential Michigan State who might be undefeated. Obviously, they got to get through Rutgers and Indiana first, but might get an undefeated game in that uh, Michigan rivalry. And then you have Penn State coming up in November. So the schedule is going to get a lot tougher and, and Indiana, you know, Indiana is down from this year, but still competitive yes, defensively. At least. So Michigan has a lot of roadblocks there and yeah, to see them 450, uh, not enough for me really on Michigan. Although that was a signature win on Saturday against Wisconsin because Wisconsin, we know offensively they're struggling. Graham Mertz has been struggling. They knocked him out of the game Mm -hmm. and then they had to put the backup in chase Wolf. He turned it over. You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same (laughs) with Wisconsin quarterbacks, but Michigan's defense, I thought, you know, against a real defense because Wisconsin is still very good defensively. Yes. And it wasn't just, okay, we got to run the ball and run the ball because I think like McNamara uh, going into that game, when you talked about the first four games, Cade McNamara had basically handed the ball off 74% of the time. They didn't really throw the ball, but they hit Wisconsin for some big plays down the field. And McNamara hasn't turned it over. He made some plays in the passing game. J.J. McCarthy, the true freshman, hit a 56-yarder for a touchdown. So, you know, Michigan, I think, against a a Wisconsin team that led the nation in rushing defense, and I know Michigan only got 112 yards, but that was enough to keep it honest, and that opened it up for the passing game. So, you know, now Michigan is being seen in a different light because I think they were a team before the season where it's like, we don't know what to make of these right. guys. We don't think that they're the drags, but we don't think they're a real contender. They're kind of just like right there in the middle. And now they're a little bit better in the middle. Now to win the Big Ten, I still think that's a little bit of a leap for the Maize and Blue. But 
They are, I think, better than most people projected that they were going to be. I'm stunned, though, when you look at this and you see everybody undefeated so far that we're talking about to win the Big Ten, except for Ohio State, obviously, with that loss to Oregon in, in week one. But when you take a look at this from a betting perspective here, would Iowa be the right play? Because, again, Ohio State, East, Michigan, East, Penn State, East, Michigan State, East. Iowa's coming out of the West, so hypothetically, if they can get out of the West— they got to win one game in order to win the Big Ten. That's that's kind mm-hmm. of the theory here. Instead of those other four powers that are probably going to somebody's going to knock, they're going to knock each other off going forward. Is Iowa the safer play? But you're not getting the best odds at plus three. It probably would be the safer play, and they get Penn State coming into Iowa City this weekend. But you look in that West Division, Northwestern way down. Wisconsin obviously looks like they're way down. Who knows what Mertz's health is going to be? They're down in that division. Uh, Minnesota. Hit or miss. I Not mean, rowing they, the boat. They go, they go and beat Purdue this weekend or last weekend, but they lost to Bowling Green right. the week before as 31-point favorites. So really nobody in that West Division, maybe it's going to be Nebraska because all of a sudden it's like, you know what? You saw what happened last weekend when they had to play two ranked teams in a row. They had to play Oklahoma on the road and they had to play Michigan State on the road, and they were competitive in both of them. And then all of a sudden they get a drop down in class with Northwestern and they whipped them 56 to seven and they played a clean game. No turnovers from the offense, no turnovers from Martinez, something that's kind of plagued him his entire career, ran the ball on Northwestern for uh, 427 yards, 657 mm. in terms of total offense. So that's why I think you're looking with Michigan and Nebraska. This went up to three and a half. And now all of a sudden, I think you've seen around a key or number, you've seen a little bit of buyback on Nebraska. So this is probably going to dance around that three, I think, most of the week. Well, this is an interesting spot, too, for, for Harbaugh and company, because to your point about last week going up to Madison getting that win there when nobody really thought they were going to be able to do that. Now they're going to go back on the road against, I can't believe I'm saying this, a hot Nebraska team. Mm-hmm. It looks like Scott Frost has calmed down the people the, calling for his firing. The seat is now lukewarm instead right. of scorching right. hot. But like he really has turned this thing around this season for Nebraska. When you lose week zero to Illinois in the manner in which they did, mm-hmm. expectations done. Yeah. Scott Frost going to get fired. Nebraska's done. And now all of a sudden, a small underdog at home to Michigan, mm-hmm. to your point, that can't look a whole lot better. Might this be a spot here for Scott Frost to pull the outright upset and think money line? I, th- I think it very well could be because this is a step up in class. I know Wisconsin, you know, everybody had them picked a- ahead of Nebraska. They're not a better team than Nebraska right now. No. Wisconsin, they're just not. And this is going to be the challenge that Michigan faces. This is going to be by far their biggest challenge because it seems like it's the game before they have bigger fish to fry, so to speak, before they have Penn State, before they have Michigan State, before they have Ohio State in November. But I think that this is a very tricky spot here for Nebraska because now Nebraska, I think they finally have like a little bit of confidence. They do. You know, when, when you can just all of a sudden beat the hell out of somebody, and I know Northwestern is down and they didn't bring back a lot of starters, but to be able to dominate that game and not only do that, but also play a very clean game, I, that that's a big thing for Nebraska. And I think that's a real shot in the arm for their confidence. And this is kind of one of those last chances for Adrian Martinez to get kind of a memorable win during his tenure in Lincoln. So 
I'd be a little bit gun shy of just necessarily running the window to lay that with Michigan. I'm, I I want to, but I know that the minute that I do is the minute that Michigan reverts back, kind of like the Raiders did reverting back last night on Monday night. Let's talk about Ohio State a little bit because we were waiting, Wes, uh, on betting across America for Ohio State to become Ohio State. And look like that happened on Saturday. Now, Maryland on Friday night against Iowa, boy, packed house, Bird Stadium, blackout. Mm-hmm. They just got absolutely lit up at home. So now Maryland goes to the shoe to take on Ohio State. That's probably as big a number that you're going to get if you're a Maryland backer right yeah. now. Could this be a good spot to take the three touchdowns and the turf? Yeah, I haven't decided to do that yet because we saw what happened with Maryland on Friday night Oof. against Iowa. And, and, and they got some support too, but... It wasn't just the turnovers. It was before the turnovers when Dante Demas, their star wide receiver, who was leading the Big Ten and touchdown catches, mm. receiving yards, now out for the season with a leg injury. It looked very gruesome looking. Yeah, it did. Once that happened, you kind of felt the wind come out of Maryland. You could just see it. And then, of course, uh, seven turnovers. <laughs> and, and that's what Iowa does. They live <laughs> off turnovers. You turn the ball over against this team. I don't care how average their offense I was just say, we still don't know how good their offense yeah. might be. They don't have to prove it because they're always on a short field. No, just take care of the ball. Don't turn it over. Get turnovers. Capitalize on short fields, and that's exactly what they did. Meanwhile, Ohio State, number two offense in the nation, scored on their first six possessions uh, and had a pick six. 45-6 lead against a Rutgers defense that had only given up like 54 points in his first four games. So, Ohio State, you know, Greg Schiano kind of said it after his uh, presser uh, in the postgame was like, look, Ohio State's starting <laughs> to find its stride, guys. Right. Okay, don't forget about these guys. And Maryland does not have really a good history in this series. 0-6 in the series against the Buckeyes. Maryland has allowed 73, 52, 62, 62, 49, and 52 points in those meetings. Maryland's lost the three meetings in the horseshoe. 42.7 points a oh, game, outgained by a little smidge less than about 400 yards a game. Now, I think this Maryland team is better than those previous clubs that got really boat raced in every single game. But ooh, I, I don't. Ohio State might be one of those teams because there's always one of those teams, Dave, that's a national title contender early in the year that lose early. And then all of a sudden you kind of forget about it. Yeah, you, focus on the, you focus on the shiny new toy that's right in front <laughs> of you. And then while you're not focusing on them, they're just beating the hell out of everybody. So I don't know if I'd be, I might be rather wanting to lay it oh, than take it. Uh, let's wrap up our big 10 conversation by talking about a school. We don't talk about a whole lot and that's undefeated Sparty. Mm-hmm. Okay. So again, long shots here, 21, 22, one to win the big 10. Uh, but this week on the road against Shiana and Rutgers here, maybe a dangerous spot for them on the road this week. I I think it is, and uh, I would be leaning. I have not bet it yet, but I'd be leaning toward the Scarlet Knights here. I know they got beat, but it was Ohio State. There was just a step up in class, and you saw this get up, I think, to about six, and now it's been staying at five for basically the last day and a half, kind of in that middle dead zone spot. I think this Rutgers defense is very good. Agreed. And I think now Michigan State, different role for them having to be a road favorite in a spot like this, so I would be leading Rutgers, but Mel Tucker, I think, clearly has improved this program in a very short time. All right, Wes, when we come back here on the Lombardi line, maybe Justin Herbert last night threw himself into the MVP conversation. We'll have that conversation when you come back with us right here on the Lombardi line. I'm Beeson, the Sports Betting Network.
Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights of where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for money line over-unders and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way. VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com. Back here on the Lombardi Line, Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. And I told our producer, Matt Santos, during the break that if he had texted me, I wasn't ignoring the text. Or you, Wes. I just left my phone at the house. That's a really weird Mm -hmm. feeling when you don't have your phone because we're so connected, everything to our phone. So it was not me being rude, Matt, or Wes. I just absent brain today. Uh, Let's get into some MVP potential awards here that we're going to give out one at the end of the year. And I wonder who you might wager it on because last night, Justin Herbert put himself back into this equation here. And his, the money did change a little bit after that win last night. So he's now plus 800 here. King Kyler, still the betting favorite at plus 500. What do you make of these quarterbacks? And again, all quarterbacks on the first page of the sport. Well, and look, maybe uh, the Cardinals uh, certainly didn't uh, do anything to, I think, uh, prohibit people from thinking, yeah, they're for real going in and beating the Rams on Sunday and beating them very handily. So, Kyler had kind of been the slight favorite uh, early on. Now, he's not really a big favorite no. right now at five to one, but he has been kind of at the top here because it's like, okay, we are starting to see him emerge a little bit. We're starting to see him be a little bit better. He's not just a runner. He's a guy who can make big plays. Everybody was down on him. They were like, oh, he's not that tall. You know, he's he's going to get every ball <laughs> Heard that batted. my whole life. Yeah. He's going to be get that ball batted down every time at the line of scrimmage. So you get that big win over the Rams, you go 5-1. to one, And then when a team loses, there's a little bit of a drift. So a small drift on Stafford. Not a big one. I think he was like 10-1 to one going into Sunday and now 12-1 to one at BetMGM. So he's still up there. Josh Allen has seen his price cut now to 13 to two, because I think he's just, if he just keeps putting up big numbers, Mm -hmm. because it's almost like Buffalo lost in week one and people kind of forgot, Oh, they're still in the national football league. And they're still by far the best (laughs) team in that division in the AFC. They were one of the more clear favorites in the summer to win that division. And I still think they very much are because looking down, I mean, if you're wanting to get, and probably what you're looking for you know, if you've got good number equity on some of the favorites like the Mahomeses or the Josh Allens or the Kyler Murrays, go ahead and keep it. But you're kind of looking down the board to see, okay, can I find somebody that I know that that price is going to uh, shorten right. once there's a big game? And I know he's been kind of like, okay, and I've been watching all these morning shows like, is Baker Mayfield holding the Browns back and which I think is still kind of a ridiculous narrative, but we know the NFL is the king of ridiculous narratives, Correct. You know, overreaction to like one week, a guy has a bad game <laughs> and it's like, he should be playing in the CFL or something, but <laughs> Baker Mayfield at 50 to one, because we know this Browns team is going to be very good. Yeah. I mean, they look like they are going to be an absolute contender in the AFC. So Who usually gets credit for that? That's the quarterback. So if I was going a little bit down the board, I'd be looking Baker Mayfield 50 to one. I got to tell you, I don't think there's anybody playing the quarterback position better right now than Dak Prescott. And I know that Dak right now at 10 to one, uh, you know, it's the, it's the good number because again, I think the Cowboys are going to easily win this NFC East Mm -hmm. and potentially make a deep run in the postseason. It's not a postseason award is only a regular season award, but the problem with, with betting Dak Prescott at 10 to one is He's a lock for comeback player of the year. Yeah. And Wes, sometimes the league, for whatever reason, 
They don't like to do that. Give you the double double right. comeback player of the year and NFL MVP. And by the way, that AP comeback player of the year award that you just mentioned is available at BetMGM. Dak Prescott, just minus 165. Oh, and I usually don't like to lay whoa. those type of things at this point, but I think that's an absolute lay. Just when you're looking at the competition, I know Joe Burrow's getting some respect at plus 750 and the Bengals are three and one, but yep. I don't, I don't think the Bengals are that great. No. And again, it's, you got a barring injury. And yeah. again, you have to lay the number with Dak. If you want to yeah. get him for comeback player of the year, I'm with you. But for MVP, I really do. I, you know, watching the quarterback play in this league, as much as we do in the green zone every Sunday, I don't know that anybody's playing at a higher level right now than Dak Prescott, mm-hmm. which is amazing considering we did not know what to expect coming off that gruesome injury a year ago, and now he's all the way back. You know, I don't see Tom Brady on that board, which is very interesting to me because I keep bringing up his name. And again, not overly impressive, obviously, in the win Sunday night, but he's going to keep breaking records, and he just broke Drew Brees' record on Sunday, most passing yards in the history of the league. I don't think you should throw away the notion that if Tom Brady and the Bucks get the offense back cranked up the way we think it will. Remember, Gronk's out right now. They've got some mm-hmm. injuries. I still think Brady will be in the mix at the end Tom, of the year. Tom as Brady, well. by the way, is still uh, 10 to 1 here right. to win this award. And look, I know that voters, you don't want to keep giving it to the same guy. But also, voters are, that are a little bit older are going to be uh, realize he's 45. Right. And, and he's still doing this. Like, how do you not give him an award if, if he is continuing to perform at this level. So he is very much in the mix. I want to skip ahead very quickly to the coach of the year odds, because this is fascinating to me. When you look at some of the names and right now, speaking of the chargers, Brandon Staley's the favorite at plus 700. I mean, that's a bit surprising And cliff Kingsbury is second at plus 900 undefeated. We get it. So maybe some names at the top of the list. You didn't expect McVay there at, at 10 to one. I don't know how great a coaching job it would be perceived as when they got the quarterback there in Matt Stafford. So I don't know about the value there. Gruden with that loss last night, Stefanski there uh, at 14 to one as well. To me, it's Sean McDermott. You mm-hmm. look at 18 to one of the Buffalo bills and the defense, uh, what he's been able to do there. And Matt rule similarly in, in Carolina with that defense at 16 to one for longer shots. To me, they feel like good value plays. Yeah, absolutely. Sean McDermott, I think, is kind of one of the more underappreciated because he's a younger head coach. So he is very underappreciated. And I think at Buffalo, you're seeing with the offense, especially Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, is getting a lot of credit and deservedly so. And he'll probably have one of these 32 head coaching jobs, you would think, next season. But Sean McDermott has built something there in Buffalo. And he's been gradual about it. They've slowly built and got it better. You see the franchise quarterback and Josh Allen getting better and better seemingly each time out. He's not as reliant on just running. You know, he's not just throwing short passes or intermediate routes. He's able to bomb it down the field. And I think McDermott and Dable have really developed him to do that. So Sean McDermott at 18, I already played Matt Rule before the season because I was I was over on all the Carolina mm. stuff. Carolina season wins and props to make the playoffs as a wild card. So I think Matt Rule is going to kind of stay where he is a little bit. So will Stefanski, of course, who was the winner of this award last year. But, you know, John Harbaugh may be 16-1, but he got a little bad publicity over the weekend because uh, old Vic Fangio is just ahead of him oh, on that yeah. graphic. Wasn't very happy running with John up, Harbaugh. Getting those rushing yards. Yeah, running, running a play there at the end. But, look, John Harbaugh has been Mr. Consistency in Baltimore. And I think you've had a Baltimore team, quite frankly, at 3-1 and one now, 
that has battled a lot of injuries, especially on defense and on the offensive line. So they're right in there in that North mix. How can Mike McCarthy possibly win the award at 16 to one when he gets fired every week? I mean, people well, just can't wait to run him out of Dallas. Yeah. Right? He's got to be the problem. And then all of a sudden, it's so funny, the narratives that we have with these guys. You have to give him the credit. You say, well, okay, well, it's Dan Quinn. and the He brought in Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm. He fired Mike Nolan. He made the, 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 the changes necessary on that staff to get this football team playing great football right now. So Mike McCarthy, of course, held back Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, right? That's the narrative. Only won one because of the head coach, not because of the quarterback. That's what we all say. So my thing would be this about Mike McCarthy. You know how many coaches have won two Super Bowls with two different teams? Zero. It's never happened before. Mike McCarthy has the chance to do that. Not Bill Belichick. Not, you know, uh, Tom Landry from the past or, or anything. Don Shula. From, Mike McCarthy has an opportunity. I think he's got a real opportunity to do that. And we have to start at some point. If we want to criticize them when they lose, you got to give them credit when they win. You know, it sounds like, Dave, you were listening to a conversation. I was uh, out last night and uh, chatting with a friend of Visa and Tony Miller down there at the Gold Nugget, who's a uh, big guy, Cowboys fan, okay. Gold Nugget sports director. And he's like, Oh, Dan Quinn has been awesome, man. Like he's been a Cowboys fan his whole life. And, you know, he is one of those ones that give a lot of credit to Dan Quinn. And plus Mike McCarthy, the narrative out there on McCarthy is like, oh, yeah, you won a Super Bowl. But it was with Aaron Rodgers really in his prime. He didn't do anything. And then you see, you know, he is a popular punching bag for football betting and just sports betting Twitter in general. Because remember the Monday night game, even though they were impressive, went over Philadelphia. I think he got rightfully criticized on this. We're not using the timeout. You know, and Peyton Manning just sitting there, call timeout, Mike, call timeout. Mike and Eli's like, oh, I don't know if they're going to go for it. He goes, doesn't matter, call timeout. And, you know, because he does have some clock management issues, yeah. but he's not the only one in the league, I think, that falls into that category. I think it's a great point. Look, if we're going to criticize coaches, you can criticize Bill Belichick. Why did you try a 56-yard field goal exactly. in, in bad weather exactly. instead of going for the short fourth and three and keeping the ball potentially out of Tom Brady's hands? Everybody makes boo-boos. Right? So, again, if we want to get on McCarthy, and I get it, you're right, Wes, he is a punching bag on Twitter, certainly that's for sure you got to give him some credit here for making those changes on the staff. And right now, I don't care how he's getting it done. He's getting it done in Dallas. 16-1, to 1, I just think he's an unpopular choice for people mm-hmm. to actually vote on him to win that award. Sometimes you got to zig when everybody else zags. Just think about it is all I'm saying. When we come back, Will Hill is going to join us. Uh, when we come back, talking a little bit about the AL wildcard. Yes, can you believe it? Red Sox and Yankees? Oh, my goodness. The baseball Twitter world is going to explode today. Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN, the sports betting network. and enjoy the thrill of victory on your very first bet. The King of Sportsbooks welcomes you to Showtime with a special offer on playoff baseball. Simply place a $10 money line wager on any playoff game, and if either team hits a home run in the game, 
You're going to win 200 bucks in free bets regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use the bonus code VEASAN200 when you make your first bet to take advantage of this offer. Enjoy the playoffs like never before with BetMGM's live betting options, boosted odds specials, and daily promotions at your fingertips for every single game. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com. Use the bonus code VEASAN200 to win $200 in free bets if a home run is hit in the playoff game you wager on. New customer offer paid in free bets. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly if you have a problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Alongside Wes Reynolds, I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi Line, and he is Will Hill. I love having Will on our Sunday show. It's a lot of fun having him on the Green Zone. He normally chastises me about something old man football. And we were just discussing, Will, here, Wes and I, about Coach of the Year. And I was saying Mike McCarthy, old Mike McCarthy, right? 16-1, long shot to win it. Is there any value in McCarthy? I know you're not on Mike to win it, but he's such a punching bag. Can he finally get some credit for what he's doing down in Big D? Yeah, I don't think you can rule him out. I mean, my bet's on Staley, and I, I think I'm looking pretty good after four weeks. First of all, I don't know that I recognize Wes without the boat that boat hat he had know, on the other right? day. Is that is that Wes? Um, <laughs> no, I, I like Staley here. I think, first of all, you got to look at how the media looks at it. And like I said, you can't count out McCarthy. But Stefanski won it last year. I was on him at 18 to 1. They generally tend to gravitate towards these younger guys, more analytically driven. You know, they can relate more to them. Uh, you know, and it's usually a team that we think overachieves. Now, the Cowboys, we always thought they had talent. So getting them to the playoffs, is that going to move, move, mean as much as Staley? Who, wow, who's now the favorite here at plus 700. You know, I think Staley, you know, taking a team that missed the playoffs last year and, and getting them to reach their potential was my angle here. Uh, you know, certainly McCarthy is worth a shot, but I think, you know, uh, Staley's definitely a, a live option here. Well, uh, Noah, we were uh, also talking about, you know, obviously just the lay of the conference, the AFC and the NFC. And uh, there's a couple bets it looks like you like in the NFC, one of them being the Dallas Cowboys. I do. I think one of the things taken away from the, the Brady versus Belichick game the other night that kind of got underplayed, the Bucks have a lot of injuries. I mean, they were incredibly lucky with health last year. They are beat up, especially in the secondary, you know, signing Richard Sherman, signing guys off the street. They're losing guys left and right. So you look in terms of a one seed, I, I think we talked last week about Dallas winning division. I, I'm very confident they'll win their division. Um, they could go 5-1, and 6-0 and oh against the, a, a soft division schedule. And then you look around, in terms of the one seed, the Bucks are beat up. Those NFC West teams are just going to trade punches uh, all year long. I know the Cardinals are 4-0 now, but those teams are going to have some losses. It's going to be hard to navigate that, comp, that division. And Green Bay's beat up. The Green Bay has a tough schedule. They're missing Jair Alexander. They're missing Smith. Both of those guys could be looking at long-term injuries. So if you're Dallas in a soft division, if you can get the one seed, uh, I think they're 11-1 to right now to win the division. As always, shot for the best number. I mean, I'm sorry, 11-1 to win the conference. You can get them a one seed. You got to win one game. Then you're in a conference title game, sitting 11 to one. You got a home game there. You can hedge, you can middle, you could do a lot of things. So I just think that it's a very favorable path here for the Cowboys who look a lot better on defense. They're fast. We know they have all the weapons in the world on offense. Yeah. You mentioned it was a great point. Will, that you had last week that there's still is value in winning the NFC East. Maybe that value is now gone, but you, you mentioned that a week ago and I think you're right. There still is value there at the Cowboys to potentially uh, get to the Super Bowl this year. Of course, talking with Will Hill, Point Spread Weekly, Beeson contributor. Follow him on Twitter, as I do, at not the Will Hill. Uh, let's talk about San Francisco a little bit this week, Will, because we don't know who's going to play quarterback, right? Jimmy G, 
Daniel Russo is going to fight. He might actually come back and try to play this week. Does that alter your read on the Niners this week, depending if it is Jimmy G or if it is Trey Lance? It does, but I think this number was a bit of an overreaction. You know, I, I'm always quick to bet against the flavor of the week. And the Cardinals, uh, you got to give them credit. That was one of the more impressive wins we'll see all season to really dominate the Rams. I know the Rams got a late garbage touchdown, but that was a blowout in favor of the Cardinals. But I just think this spot favors the 49ers. Now, I'm going to be hesitant to back Lance, but it sounds like Garoppolo's got at least a 50% chance, maybe more to play. It sounds like it's just a bruise, and it, you know, it wasn't as bad as Garoppolo thought originally. So if you can get the, the, the 49ers, I know there were some six and a halfs out there this morning. It's gone down to five and a half. Uh, if you can get the 49ers plus these points, it's, it's kind of a dead zone here with the number plus the five and a half. But this is a much bigger game for the 49ers who started out 2-0. and Now they've lost two tough games in a row. They're 2-2. Two and two. Not you know, It's an exaggeration probably to say they're fighting for their season. But 2-3 and three in that division, that's, that's a, a hill mm-hmm. to climb with all those good teams around you. Uh, you got the hungrier team. You're getting points. You know, you got a pretty good defense. They lost to Seattle on Sunday. San Francisco did. I mean, they, they really killed Seattle on the stat sheet. They outgraded them by 230 yards. They held Seattle to, you know, just over four yards per play. You know, the, the final score was really misleading there. So uh, give me the hungrier team. Give me the points here with the 49ers. And Dave, to Will's point, Will mentioned 457 to 234, the yards for Ooh. the 49ers over Seattle. You're also seeing that kind of play into the Thursday night game. Yeah. The Rams have gotten the early support off that kind of faulty phony Seattle win if you want to call it that even though they led most of the second half but it seemed like the 49ers should have been way up early on and then when we were commenting on it on Sunday is like this game's seven to seven right now how is that possible so so the Rams are now seeing support they open one now you're seeing some twos two and a halves in the market but well enough football we've got baseball we've got postseason baseball here we don't ignore that on this network so we have the AL wildcard game, the Yanks and the Sox tonight. <laughs> Garrett Cole against Nathan Eovaldi. And uh, Garrett Cole, as I thought he would when this opened, I thought Garrett Cole, I think I saw this like 110, 115 on Sunday night. I thought that he was going to get the money. He is getting the action here. What do you make of Yankees, Red Sox, loser leave town match Ooh. tonight? Well, he's getting the money more ways than one. I mean, he's getting $324 million to win a game like this, and <laughs> I think he does. And first of all, this is a great atmosphere. we got a little chill in the air here in the Northeast. It's the Yankees versus the Red Sox. It's October baseball. I mean, this is really it's as good as it gets as a sports fan. I just love this. Uh, and great drama tonight. Both these teams have had really up-and-down years. The Red Sox were 10 games ahead of the Yankees. You know, July 31st, something like that. And the Yankees came all the way back to take a lead. They both had highs and lows. But I just think you're getting the much better starting pitcher here with the Yankees. Evaldi's been good, but Cole, you know, is going to finish probably second in Cy Young. Uh, obviously, all the power in the Yankees lineup and the bullpen. I think the bullpen is a major advantage for the Yankees. If this is a close game late, Severino has not given up a run since he come back. A little shades of, you know, Jabba Chamberlain when they moved him to the bullpen. Dare I say Mariano Rivera way back when he was a setup Whoa. guy. I mean, Sever- Severino's been lights out in the bullpen. I mean, nobody's on Mariano's level. But anytime you can shorten the game with guys like him, Luizaga, uh, Clay Holmes been pretty good. Chapman, who nobody trusts as a Yankee fan, I, I understand that, but he's been really good since uh, since his little hiccup in the middle of the summer. So I think you're getting the better starting pitcher, the better bullpen. I'm going to take the Yankees here. Will to that to that end, then when you look at the total here of eight, and again uh, minus one of five, juice to the under here at minus one fifteen. It's, it's going to be a bullpen game. You don't go obviously. It's one you know as West says, uh, loser leaves town here. Because of the bullpen of the Yankees, do you lean towards the under, or do you think, boy, it's still a tricky spot that all you got to do five three four four, and all of a sudden that thing's going over the total? 
Yeah, probably a pass for me just for that reason. Plus, I mean, think about it. It's in Fenway. It's a short ballpark. Yankees have a lot of right-handed power. They hit a million home runs there. It's it's tough to pitch the you know Judge Stanton uh, Gallo can go the other way with that short short left field wall. So probably a pass for me. You know, you think Yankees, you think nine seven games, but you think postseason baseball, you think three two games. So probably enough to just keep me away from that one. No, D, no JD Martinez tonight with that Sorry. ankle injury, so he is not on the roster for this. Do you game, see so. how he got hurt? Did I you did. see how he got hurt? Yeah. Running out to right field, he tripped over second base and he's out for the game. I mean, you can't make it up. It's yeah. So, what that's going to do oh, is boy. that's going to likely perhaps force Kyle Schwarber into the outfield uh, because they would, I think, like Ooh. to, uh, you know, JD Martinez now can't Defense even. Defense be damned. Can't even DH here. So, uh, to Will's point, the offense has kind of been hit or miss against Garrett Cole. You've got Schwarber, Renfro, Xander Bogarts hitting 208 or worse against Garrett Cole. So, I didn't know what to do with this. I was kind of waiting to see what kind of price I would get on Eovaldi. That might be a leave alone. This might be a game, too, where obviously you can look at player props as well. So, like, one matchup I do like for the Yankees tonight, Aaron Judge against Nate Eovaldi. Aaron Judge has been murdering the ball lately. 9 of 23 against Eovaldi in his career, but he's been hitting 325 since August 20th. The slugging percentage over 6 against Eovaldi. Maybe look at Aaron Judge over total bases tonight. And very quickly, gentlemen. And if I'm not remiss, the softball rules are out, right? If we go extra innings, we're not starting with ghost runners on base anymore, which is kind of nice, right? We get back to regular baseball to decide a game. Hey, that is one old guy take. I am right there with <laughs> yes. you. This, this man on stuff. This man on stuff. I, man on second stuff. It's got to go. I mean, it's just a joke. It's ridiculous. One thing to point out too with this game: uh, no sale for the Red Sox. I guess he went in to Cora's office and, and wanted to pitch. They, he Cora told him no. He's not even on the roster. So no shades of Randy Johnson coming out of the bullpen. He will not be on the team today. So uh, Red Sox have had issues in the bullpen. Issues closing out games. Uh, sale will not be available. All, right, all I'm saying, guys, is if we're going to have ghost runners on second base, if we're going to play that way. Kegs in the outfield. I mean, if that's the way we're going to go with Major League Baseball, we're going to make it a gimmick, then just throw kegs out there in the apple and let's play some softball. Uh, follow him on Twitter at NotTheWillHill. We'll appreciate the conversation as always. See you guys. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Check out the NHL betting guide. Uh, Andy McNeil did a great job with it. Check it out. Awesome. We've got uh, a lot more to get to here in the Lombardi line. Jason Leisure, the Chicago Sun-Times, is going to join us talking all things Bears, and you come back with us on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. 